Everyone hear me? I hope so. Cool. So today, if I can get my presentation up, I want to talk on uh, using the gifts we have been given and using the parable of the talents as a, as a basis for that. Just to make you aware, this is my first sermon ever, so I'm a little nervous. So, thank you. Hey, I'm less nervous now. So if you all smile at me as I talk, that's really helpful. And if you are going to fall asleep, just do it quietly. Fair enough. So, the parable of the talents. So this comes from Matthew 25, verse 14 onwards. For it would be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had, trade, uh, who, sorry, who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents more. So also, who had the two talents, made two talents more. But the one who received the one talent went and dug, a, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled the accounts for them. And he had been, received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here, I have five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will, set you, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also that received two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made you two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I know you're a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what, what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to invest my money in the bank with the bankers, my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what, you have, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has given, uh, sorry, sorry, for to everyone who will be given more. Uh, sorry, I'll start again. I'm losing it a little bit. For to everyone who has will, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from one who has not, even with that which we, he will have, will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place that is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've always struggled with that, that passage a little bit because of the, the harshness of the master at the end. And whilst doing a bit of study for this, uh, different theologians have different ideas, but it's generally agreed that it's not the, master, the man is not necessarily a depiction of God's character in its entirety, but rather that we will be accountable for our actions and for the gifts we have been given when Jesus returns. So breaking it down and starting with kind of my first point is God has blessed us all with gifts and today I want to focus on gifts of the Spirit, those outlined in Corinthians and in Romans. Everybody here has been given gifts. When Paul writes about it in Romans 8 and in Corinthians 1, he uses words such as 
the Spirit gives for each of us to use. And no, we have different gifts. Paul doesn't mince his words when he, when he says it. And in the same way, in the parable of the talents, the man calls his servants to him and gives them money. He doesn't call some of his servants. He doesn't call the best of his servants. He calls all of his servants. In the same way, each of us here, if we accept the Lord into our hearts, if we ask for uh, forgiveness, we are given gifts of the Spirit. It's not a maybe. It's not, oh, you've got to walk a certain path to get there. No, you will be given gifts. It's a definite, not a maybe. Also, in terms of the gifts that they are given, in the story, one man's given five talents. I did a bit of research very quickly on this, and depending on what method you use, what kind of weightings you use, a talent in those days is worth between $300,000 in today's money and $1.25 million in today's money. These are not small gifts that he's giving to his men. These are massive gifts. In the same way that each of us, the gifts that he gives, they, the, the gifts of the Spirit, are not small gifts. They are massive blessings. He is entrusting them to us and trusting us with them. Moving on to my, my second point. We've each been given different gifts according to, yeah, given different gifts and abilities according to our faith. When uh, Paul writes in Romans 8, verses 6 to 8, he writes, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is... If, uh, yeah, if it is... So, oh, I've, done, I've mistyped my words here. You'll forgive me. Uh, if it is giving, let him do so cheerfully. And in Corinthians 1, he writes again, Now to each, of, oh, oh, sorry. Now to each on the manifestation of the Spirit is given, the common, is given to the common good. That no one is given through the Spirit... Uh, no, sorry. Uh, to, one there is given the, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. Means of the same Spirit. To another, faith of the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To, prophecy. to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of that tongues. All of these are works of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each of us just as, his, as he determines. So once again, each of us have been given a gift. But they're different gifts. To use an analogy I like quite a lot, I like football quite a lot. Anyone else like football? Some of you. I was going to use rugby, but I didn't think anyone would be a sub on that. You can't have everybody being a goalkeeper on a football pitch. You can't have everyone being a striker. As much as everyone wants to be the striker that scores all the goals, or the goalkeeper that saves all the goals, you have to have a variety of players. In the same is true with the church. There are a variety of talents, and different people are talented in different ways. Keeping with my football analogy, hopefully some of you will know, not everyone can be Cristiano Ronaldo on the pitch, you know, the greatest striker of all time. Forget about Messi. Not all of us can be uh, Joe Hart, England's great keeper. We have different abilities, and they're given to us according to our faith. Just because you don't have the same gifting as someone else doesn't mean you are less worthy of that gift. doesn't mean that that gift is 
poorer or, or less or worse. We are given different abilities according to our faith. And our, and our, our Holy Spirit gifts grow with our faith and become stronger as our faith grows. But you should never consider yourself poor because you only have a little gift of service or you only have a little gift of something else. Don't live by comparison. It's all about embracing the gifts you have been given. Moving on. So we've been given these gifts, and we should use them. The whole parable of the talent is about the people, the men, the servants, that use the talents that they are given. And talents, and that obviously means money. I'm talking about gifts of the Spirit when I say using our gifts. Our gifts are not to be hidden away. As the, uh, the parable writes, the man who went away and hid his, his talent, went away and hid the money, received nothing, and in fact had it taken away from him at the end. We are held accountable for the way that we use our, our gifts. Yeah, sorry. The two servants that went out and doubled their money were praised for it, and they're praised in exactly the same way for going out and doubling the money. Just because one received five and one received two, there you have it. there's exactly the same line used for both when the master comes back. Uh, bear with me. Let me find it. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. We cannot hide our talents. They're not there to be hidden. They're there to be used. They're there to be embraced. They're there to be grown in what we do. Moving on to the next point. Our gift shows God's continuing power on earth. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us when we accept God into our, into our lives. They are supernaturally given. They're not something you're necessarily born with. They're not something you're born with. They're something that happens when the Holy Spirit enters you after you become a Christian, after you choose to have God in your life. And they are an outward manifestation of God's power through you. They're not given to non-Christians. When I talk about gifts of the Spirit, I'm not talking about the ability to be football really well. I'm talking about, as previously outlined, gifts of healing, teaching, leaderships, things that you weren't, didn't necessarily have to start with. I want to give you the example of someone back in the 16th century. He was born, he was the son of a tinker and took up the trade of a tinker. Used to not go to church very much on Sundays, used to swear and used to drink quite a lot. This man was never someone you would put in a position of leadership or a, p- a position of teaching. However, one day, he had a revelation from God. Thereafter, he took up leadership. He took up teaching and wrote the infamous book, Pilgrim's Progress. That man was John Bunyan prior to becoming a Christian and giving his life to God. He never led a church service. He never led anything. He was a, hu- a man of humble beginnings. He was a man that swore. He was a man that didn't live a holy life, and yet, through God's power, was able to lead churches, go in prison for leading churches, and write one of the most powerful Christian books that even 400 years later is still used regularly by all of us. On to our third point. Our gifts are to bring other people to Christ and spread the message of salvation. Our gifts are not given selfishly. Not one of the gifts of the Spirit is just for you to use for yourself. They're gifts for you to share with us and for you to share God's word. 
the gift of leadership isn't for you to lead by yourself and bring glory and power to yourself at the expense of everyone else. The gift of service is not for you to serve yourself and for you to gain power and glory for yourself. The gifts are given for the glory of God, to bring people to him. One of our major roles on earth as Christians is to bring more people to God, to spread the message of salvation. And this is what these gifts are for. Not only that, these gifts are for building up the church as a whole. Just as, in, as I said to start with, with the football analogy, we can't all be leaders. If everyone was a leader in church, no one would be listening. If everyone was given a servant heart in church and serving, who would be receiving? We're all blessed differently and given different gifts for the mutual benefit of each other and for the church, to build the church up, to bring more people into the church. Our gifts are meant to complement each other, not combat each other. Each of us is blessed differently from different amounts. We cover that, but it's for everyone's benefit that we work together and these gifts are used. And finally, gifts are also given so that we can gain a deeper understanding of Christ. With this point, I'm talking about Jesus on earth was the ultimate manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. He was servant-hearted, he was a leader, he was a teacher, he did healing, he prophesied. All of the gifts were manifested in in Jesus uh, to a perfect extent. If you want to understand someone, it's said you should walk a mile in their shoes. Using these gifts, you are walking some distance in Christ's shoes. You're getting some understanding of the life he lived and the powers he used. And more than that, they give a total understanding of who... God and Jesus are. The fact that these are the gifts that are given us, the fact that these are the powers that are given us, that are from Christ. Paul writes uh, in Philippians 3 that he's still lacking in knowledge concerning Christ. However, he is straining forwards, uh, forgetting what is behind but moving forwards. Things he previously valued are of no value now because he has a deeper understanding of Christ through the gifts that he's been given. And the same is true for us. We gain a deeper understanding of who Christ is, of how he lived, and how we should live our lives in Christ through using our gifts. Now coming on to the kind of main point of my talk, one that I use quite a lot with the youth. It's kind of, why don't we use our gifts? So we've gone over that we all have gifts. We've gone over what the gifts gifts kind of are, and we've talked about why we should use our gifts, but what stops us using our gifts? Often as Christians, often as people, we're we're stopped from doing things, we're stopped from using our gifts for a variety of reasons. I I wanted to go through each of them now. The first one, fear of judgment or comparison. How often is it we don't use our gift? How often is it that we think we have a word of prophecy, but we don't want to share it because we're scared that someone will judge us? How often is it that we think we hear God telling us to go forward and try and heal someone, but we're too scared to take that risk for fear of being laughed at or being dismissed or being turned away? I know from personal experience that a number of times I thought I've had a word and I haven't wanted to share it because I've been scared that everyone else will judge me for it. 
And to that I say, firstly, when among Christians you're taught as Christians, Matthew 7 verse 1 outlines, judge not lest you be judged. When you're among Christians such as yourself, you won't be judged for using your gifts. God doesn't judge you for using your gifts. We aren't going to judge you for using your gifts. They're for the blessing of the church. They're for bringing other people in. And beyond that, why also are you fearing judgment? Is it because you're fearing God? No, it's because you're fearing what other people think of you, not what God thinks of you. You need to work to a higher standard in terms of you should care what God thinks, you shouldn't care what people think. And it's easy for me to say that to you now, but I, I, I personally have really struggled with overcoming that. But work towards what God is pleased with. Work towards what God wants you to do and what God sees as good judgment, not what you think you'll be judged for. Number two, doubt. This is a common one as well. Doubting whether you actually have any gifts. Doubting whether, you know, you you think you have a certain gift, but you're not really that sure. Maybe you do on a Wednesday, but not the rest of the week. (laughs) Doubt is a common one, and doubt is a creeping one that can really, really cripple each and every one of us. But I refer you back to the very first point I made in terms of doubt crippled the last servant. He was doubting whether he'd actually make any money if he, if, he, if he risked it all. We have to take a risk with our gifts. We have to show our gifts. We have to use our gifts. And we shouldn't ever doubt our gifts. Doubt is something that can cripple you and hold you back from everything in life. Not just in terms of Christian life, but from everything. But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, we're being told we, ha- we have to use them. And everybody has been given gifts. Once again, I refer you back to Paul who says, we have each been given gifts. In the definite, the story where he calls all his servants to us, we have each been given gifts. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I have any gifts, you're wrong. I'm I'm telling you, you're wrong. You do have gifts. You have God-given gifts and you have to use them. Finding out what your gifts are is an important part of that. Identify what you think your gifts are. Speak to someone in leadership who maybe knows you, or speak to your friends who know you, and find out what your gifts are so you can use them. The next point, I think, is simultaneously one of the easiest and hardest points. Laziness and apathy over our gifts. It's easy for people to identify a certain gift and say, right, I have the gift of service, but I'm too busy to serve right now. I have the gift of leadership, but there's something good on TV, so I'll I'll lead another time. It's very easy for us to find distractions or for us to be too busy to use our gift. Sorry, too busy to use our gifts. The last servant, again, we're told it's partly because of fear, but I imagine part of it's also because of laziness. It's easier for him to go away bury the coin, forget about it till his master comes back and then dig it up again. Then it is for him to go out and invest it. Then it is for him to go out and do anything with it. Laziness is an apathy, especially today where we live such comfortable lives. 
are real blocks on using your gift, uh, using your gifts. We're called to all use our gifts. Revelation 3 talks about Jesus spitting out lukewarm Christians. When he talks about this, he's referring to people who kind of are Christians, who say they are Christians, and then do nothing with that. Again, in James, James 2, uh, quite a famous book about being judged on your deeds. How can you say you are a Christian and then do nothing with it? You have been given these supernatural gifts. These are not everyday gifts that people are given. You can't, you're not born with these. These are supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit. You're given these, and then you're too lazy to use it? You're, you're too busy to use them? No. You live a Christian life. If you've chosen to live the life of a Christian, then they have to form up part of your everyday life, part of your, your, your Christian life. If you're called to serve, you have to make time to serve. And how are you going to grow in these gifts? Going back to the first point, fear of judgment and comparison. You're afraid that you're going to be negatively compared to someone with the, the same gift who has more power in it than you. How are you going to grow your gift if you don't use it? You know, laziness should never be a reason not to use our gifts. Laziness is not a reason not to follow God. We're called to do it. It's, it's clearly outlined again and again that laziness is not of God. Laziness of ourselves. We have to overcome that laziness. We have to overcome that apathy. And finally, fear of failure. This is again one that has held me back on occasion. I know I look like a very confident person. Uh, yeah, no? Okay. Uh, <laughs> fine. Expecting, yeah. Fear of failure. How many times have we thought we should do something and then worried about not doing it right or not being as good as someone else or not succeeding in it? Again, the parable, the man with the one talent lives in fear. He lives in fear of failure. He lives in fear of the master's response and that fear stops him doing anything. You know, he goes away, he buries the coin and is scared because he he's been given this gift, but he doesn't want to use it. Fear can paralyze all of us. We want, it, it combines with all the other ones in terms of we can doubt whether we have a gift, and then we can fear actually using the gift. We fear whether we're actually called to be leaders. And if we do stand up on stage, like I'm doing now, I was terrified about standing up here. I'm not going to lie, I was shaking a little bit when I started. But that can't hold us back. There is no, or, yeah, there is no negative outcome for using our gifts in terms of you think you have leadership, you've tested the fact you have leadership as a gift, then you should lead. Don't let the possibility of you maybe stumbling over your words like I did at the start of this service stop you. Don't let... Uh, it stops you serving people because you fear that you might not serve people very well. Or, as I, another one that I used earlier, don't be afraid of approaching someone and asking if you can lay hands on them to heal them because you fear, that the, fa because you fear the failure. We're called uh, by Christ to live like him. Jesus never feared failure. He didn't care what people thought. He was, he was a radical for his day. And he never feared failure. Not once did he go, oh, I'm worried I might fail in this. Oh, no, I might do something wrong.
never fear failure. Finally, wrapping up, we've talked about the fact that we all have gifts. We've talked about the fact we should all use our gifts. And we've talked about things that stop us using our gifts. I kind of want to leave you today with what we can practically do on a day-to-day basis to ensure that we use our gifts. Because it's all very well us saying, oh, I won't be lazy anymore. Oh, I won't. I'll make sure I use it on a daily basis. But what can we actually do? The first thing I suggest we do is to discover our gifts. Find out what your gifts are. And this can happen in a variety of ways. Sometimes you will instinctually know what your gifting is. I, I know a lot of people here who have a lot of talents, uh, not talents, sorry, a lot of gifts in a particular area. Quite often you'll know or you'll have an inkling about what it is. But it's worth praying about it. God will make clear to you your talents. Uh, no, your talents, your gifts, sorry. Getting confused with the parable here. God will make clear to you your gifts. In the same way that the man in the story gave them each uh, t- the talents for them to use, God has given you these gifts for you to use, and he'll make it clear to you which ones they are. Read your Bible, go through the gifts, work out which ones you think you have and which ones you have been blessed with. Secondly, recognizing gifts in others. This is a massive one for me, leading the youth. You see them growing up and you see them becoming Christians. And you can quite often see a gift in them that they haven't necessarily seen. And it's the same for for us as adults. Quite often, we will see someone who has a particular gifting that they are not necessarily aware of or they're not living up to. Talk to them about it. Tell them that you see that gifting in them. If you see the gifts being manifested in someone and they are not necessarily aware of it or they are not living up to it, speak to them about it. Go up to them and say, pardon me, don't say pardon me, well you can do, but pardon me, I think you have a certain gift. Tell people, talk to people about it. And finally, a real practical one for the day for me is speak up when you know you have a gift. If you speak up and tell people you have a gift, especially in a church environment, they will help you use that gift. If you think you have a particular gift, speak to Stuart at the end of the service. Speak to Rob at the end of the service. Tell them you think you have that gift and you'd like to use it today, tomorrow, this week, to help in a particular way, to use it in a particular way. Don't stay silent. We're not crippled by fear. We shouldn't be fear comparison. Stuart and Rob aren't going to judge you if you go up to them and tell them you have a particular talent and you want to start using it. In fact, no one in this church is going to start judging you if you go up to them and say, I have a particular gift and I want to start using it actively in this church. We should not be afraid of stepping out with our gifts and using our gifts. We're called to use our gifts on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. When we tell others our gift, we're also then accountable to others for using our gift. If you say, I have a particular gift for leadership, and then you decide to get a bit late, or not decide, but you start getting a bit lazy, other people can hold you accountable to it, for it. If you have a particular gift, if you've told someone, you can talk about it. You then have someone who holds you accountable for using your gift, for 
helping other people. If your gift is service, and you've told someone your gift is service, they can say, there's this great opportunity to serve. It stops the easy slide into laziness that can happen. Cool. So that's the end of my, my talk. I just want to pray quickly about using our gifts. Lord, I want to pray for everyone here today, Lord. I thank you that you've blessed each and every person here with gifts, Lord, with powerful, supernatural gifts, Lord. And I pray that we would, going forth from today, Lord, use our gifts. I pray we wouldn't be crippled by fear. We wouldn't be crippled by comparison. The doubt wouldn't set in, Lord. I pray that we would continue to live like the example you set and use our gifts on a daily basis for the growth of your kingdom, Lord, and for bringing people to you and growing the church, Lord, in your powerful name. Amen.